Tim, Tim and I were having a discussion because I like when Tim cues a song. Sometimes you like them. Tim is quite good. Usually, I try. Usually, yes. at picking out a song that has something to do with the topic okay. of the next uh, guest. I and so from I anxiety. said to Tim, I said to Tim, is, is this a song about anxiety? No, it's and about Tim a revolution. Said, <laughs> and it's also apparently a re- there's a remix version of this in Black Panther. So I'm just trying to be hip and happening, bruh. Stop listening. All right. Welcome to my life. Sarah E. Ball is, uh, do we have to say E? Sarah Ball. Is the author of Fearless in 21 Days, a survivor's guide to overcoming anxiety. Fearless in 21 Days is a story of hope and a day-by-day guide to healing and uh, healing the mind using mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual applications for those bound by crippling fear, anxiety, panic disorders, and depression. Oh, my. In the summer of 2013, uh, family and friends watched helplessly as Sarah spiraled into the darkest season of her life. A passionate woman of God, wife, mom of five, geez, that'll do it right there, and popular blogger, Sarah nevertheless found herself abruptly taken captive by a severe anxiety and panic disorder that left her bedridden for months. Good night. I don't want to read this anymore. I want to find out what, how, what, what? Sarah, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, well, I don't relate to your story. I mean, there are moments where I, I think we all have moments where we just want to stop. We just want to crawl, like not get out of bed, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I get that. But crippled and laid up in bed for months? Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, I never struggled with anxiety and depression that I was aware of before. And what I had was a complete and total, what they call nervous breakdown. I hate that word, nervous breakdown. But that Wait, well, why? Why do, why do you hate it? Oh, I just, I, you know what it always reminds me of is old movies where you see the teacher just sitting there shaking and not being able to handle anything. Can I, can I, just, can I totally interrupt you and tell you that I, I had a gift of making supply teachers have those moments? <laughs> see? Exactly. Yes. I yeah. am a teacher, so Tim full is circle. a teacher, yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I hate the word because it doesn't really show the big picture of what really happens when somebody goes through a mental breakdown. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, how much does... Uh, sorry, this is. there's no segue from what we were talking about to this, so let me just jump into this, this weirdness here. What is, is there a correlation? There must be. There's got to be some correlation between having five kids and and going through the stuff you've been going through. Uh, or was all of that pre-kid? Like, what impact does having kids have on your condition? Can I use that term? And is there, like, hormonal imbalance things and you just need to eat more vitamins or something? I don't know. Well, you know, okay, so here's my stance. It's body, mind, and spirit. And when you have five kids, and I just had my fifth kid, so absolutely hormones and postpartum is a huge part of that. But it was something um, that really was a combination of all of it. So really wrapped up in the burnout culture. Uh, So trying to make everything perfect, trying to be, you know, super mom, trying to do all the right things, motivated to please people, that kind of thing, not putting myself first, not taking the rest and the time that I needed. But also just years of, um, you know, undealt with issues and bad spiritual theology and you know, so it's kind of a combination of all. And then when you're motivated by chaos 24-7 with five kids, then it absolutely increases your stress. So. I, I love that phrase, motivated by chaos. Love it. Yes. Um, 
I do want to push back a little bit because you, you use the phrase burnout culture. And I remember having this conversation with this 30-year-old person about um, their culture. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I'm 51. And so I'm seeing more and more of the woe is me stuff of the of the... I need, I need my, just, I just need my personal mm-hmm. space. I just need my time. I just have to, yeah. you know, Calgon take me away kind of yeah. moment or whatever. And, um, and I'm just thinking, I don't think 30 or 20, whatever year olds are walking around in Ethiopia saying, ah, I just need my time. I just mm. need my space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, well, I think there's a bit of a difference between the two because I totally 100% agree with you. And I know that as somebody who has recovered from that state of mind, guarding, guarding my rest and stuff is really important. Um, but I also see that we are heading into one of the biggest mental health epidemics with our kids and generation because we coddle them so much. And they're not learning to resilience and that kind of thing. I think for me in my situation, I think it was a combination of mental health issues with chemical imbalances and going through some traumatic experiences with, you know, some big things happening in my life and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of was a big, messy period in my life. But surprisingly, a lot of um, people in their 30s end up do having similar breakdowns like this, a lot of women. And, um, and so I'm not really sure why and what's kind of adding to that, but it definitely is an epidemic. But I also think that uh, we also need to have a thicker skin in our society. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. What I want to know is what role does bad theology play in all of this, and how did you escape bad theology? Well, okay, so it's kind of a long story, but I remember this one moment um, God had said to me, and I've been feeling discontented and feeling sorry for myself, and, you know, was discouraged all the time and feeling really tired, and I was trying to figure out why, and God said, I want you to look and do some research on how you repair the foundation of a home, and I was like, okay, that's a weird question, so I started looking about, you know, how you repair the concrete and the foundation of a home and all that kind of stuff, and then it was a few months after that I had my complete nervous breakdown, and I remember asking God, you know, show me the biggest lie that I believe, which was a very, very dangerous question for me to ask. And um, the long and short of it is that it had to do with the love of God, and it really had to do with, you know, the simplicity of Jesus and the simplicity of faith and not to overcomplicate it. So I came from a very broken, um, you know, I was a single mom. I was on welfare. I had um, two kids from two different dads. I was not the girl you want walking into church on a Sunday morning. And Jesus met me there and really restored me. And as I began healing, I was learning about, okay, how do I do this Christian thing? How do I become, you know, a Christian? How do I become a mom who's a Christian? How do I do this sort of thing? And so I think I picked up a lot of um, what is really Christian culture and not really Jesus' heart. And so now, after coming through my breakthrough, I do online courses, and through my book, I minister to a lot of people who are suffering from very severe anxiety uh, OCD. I struggled with OCD quite severely, um, suicidal depression, and n- I would say about 95% of them are so passionate about God, so desiring to please Him, and so much of their faith and their theology is what's keeping them crippled hmm. anxiety. Give me an example of some kind of theological garbage that is suppressing and holding and 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 you know it's like the uh, the ball and chain uh, so give yeah. me an example of a theological 
a concept that is just a ball and chain for somebody who is trying to crawl out from underneath the darkness of anxiety? Um, well, for someone with OCD, for example, which we always think of OCD as like rituals of washing and cleanliness, but actually OCD starts with a thought and a very intense thought that we do everything we can to help ourselves get rid of it. And a very common theme um, is religious OCD. So basically that, you know, uh, they have a hard time letting go of guilt of a sin in their life, no matter all of the prayers and the forgiveness and all that kind of stuff, have a hard time letting that go. Um, Some of it has to do with just pleasing God. Like, if I'm anxious all the time, am I a disappointment to Him? Or also, like, I should be reading my Bible more, I should be feeling His presence more, I should be having these spiritual experiences more and feeling really guilty and undeserving of peace because of that is a big one. Um, For me, it was like, you know, with five kids and, you know, um, I don't know, running, just running like crazy, having this voice in this church saying, you know what, you need to be doing more, and you need to be doing more for the kingdom, and if you're not doing more, then you're disappointed, you know, not that they're saying you're a disappointment, but that you're not checking off all your Christian boxes. And so people who live with crippling anxiety, especially Christians, really have a desire to do everything right and to please God. And when you come from a church culture where there's a lot of pressure to check off all those boxes, it's really dangerous. Okay, uh, chatting with Sarah Ball. Uh, the website is Sarah, S A R A H E Ball, B A L L dot com. And uh, I think there's somewhere on our website we need to change that. But anyway, it takes you to the right place. That's what matters. Uh, and Sarah is the author of Fearless in 21 Days A Survivor's Guide to Overcoming Anxiety. So, Sarah, mm-hmm. um, non Jesus y people, are they going to dig your stuff or are they going to be just overwhelmed with God's stuff? Um, you know what, I, so here's my take on, on my book, Fearless in 21 Days. I always say this is the book I so desperately needed when I went through what I went through. And, and I, I believe that, you know, um, connecting to um, a spiritual space in your life is so important with healing because it's about taking it beyond yourself. However, I am about the practical. Like, don't just throw stuff at me and give me a scripture or a phrase or a good idea. Um, That doesn't make any sense to me practically and logically. So with my book, it actually has very practical steps of do this, you know, this is a good way to handle it. These are some tips. Goes into, you know, dealing with inner healing and that kind of thing. And I do actually address, if you are not a Christian and you're reading this book, you know, this is still good for you, and this is how you can sort of um, use it in your life. So, I'm glad you answered that, way, because I did creep on you a little bit, went to your website, checked things out. By the way, your website is really, really well done. And there's a lot of handlebars there that people can grab onto in order to hunker down into what you're talking about. There are, uh, the, like, the online, is it seminars and stuff? No, how, I'm gonna, why don't I let you explain what your what's on your website to help people? Sure. Well, um, first of all, I'm a blogger, so I blog things, and <laughs> so there's blogging things on there. But I also um, have a online course called the Fearless Traveler. So it's like a 12 week course, and I have a community online where people really support each other, and they go through this 12 week course to really help them get on their feet. Um, and I've seen just such an amazing breakthrough with people going through that course, and the community in itself is really important. And um, and just some other resources, and, and I am the kind of 
person where I have to really have wrestled through something before I write about it and I talk about it because I can't stand pat responses to really complicated issues. And, and so that's definitely something that I've had to wrestle through it. And, um, and so I find that it's very practical and very vulnerable and very real. And, and I get a lot of people who write me to say thank you so much for being so honest with such a scary topic. <laughs> Can you give us? Um, I just want to steal something from your site here. I, sure. You know, it's like the hook. We got. We're not going to give the whole meal away, but we're going to just a little sample. Mm-hmm. F- what are the five common lies that are keeping people anxious? Oh, now I have to remember that post. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, you don't have to come up with all five, but give me <laughs> give me a couple. Um, I, well, I think, okay, these might even not even be the same as on there, but I'm just going to pick them off the top of my head. Five lies that are keeping people anxious. One of them is that they have to sort of um, fight and push away fear, that fear is a bad thing and it's there to hurt them. And so one of the things that was a huge breakthrough for me was actually learning to befriend fear, that it was okay to feel anxious, it was going to hurt me, and and just to be able to accept it. So that was a big one. Um, Second one, um, five lies that are keeping you anxious. Do you have them in front of you? No, (laughs) no, I just saw the title. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a setup. No, that's not the right answer, actually, sir. I think think, um, anger, too. I think having sort of waiting for God to validate our fears. You know, sometimes I see a lot of people stay really trapped in anxiety because they're like, but I should be afraid in their, in their prayers and when they're seeking help from other people, they're looking for someone to say, you're right, you should really be afraid right now. This is awful. You should be so despairing. And I don't think that God ever says, yes, you're right, you should be really afraid. I think He doesn't validate our anxieties. He has compassion for us, but it doesn't validate what we're afraid of because he sees the bigger picture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's a big one. It's just he'll validate <laughs> who we are and all the good stuff. But. You know, there's a theme out there uh, in the book world these days, mm-hmm. and I, it's going to be hard for me to explain this theme without using the words. But here's the theme of so I've seen a few books that are, you know, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Blank. Yeah. Or, or you know, all the and it's you know they're all good. I get it. They're good stuff. But there's there's a lot of there seem to be a, a number of books out there that are that are helping uh, your generation chill the heck out. Mm-hmm. So what is that saying? Is that saying that you like this is the most wound up generation? Well, if they're wound up, they're wound up about the wrong stuff because they're not wound up about I don't know getting out of their mom's basement and. <laughs> They better be wound up about that or I'm in trouble. Um, yeah, I think um, I think you're right. I think that we've lost uh, a bit of being able to cope. But I want to say this. If you look into, if I look through my past generations of how people coped with stress and anxiety and hardship, it was done through alcoholism, mm. religion, um, you know, just denial, and I'm actually witnessing right now um, a lot of people in my mother and my even grandmother's generation going through inner healing, because it wasn't really something that was ever talked about. So I think for my generation, we've kind of dumped into this, like, especially in the Christian culture, into, you know, inner healing, like it's kind of the central theme. And, And I think, like, one of the last chapters in my book is called Get Up and Go, and there's eventually a time in your life where you have to suck it up and move on. 
and just move forward. So even though I think, yes, we probably are a little bit more oversensitive and, you know, kind of have a little bit of issues, but I also think we're learning to talk about it more and be willing to heal things as we go along with life instead of ignoring it and just using other coping mechanisms. So I think we're also the first generation that isn't having to deal with direct trauma. Like we're the first generation that hasn't had to go through war or, you know, economy crashing and all that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. I think we have an obligation for me now parenting my kids having gone through that. And I think too, also, there's a misconception with mental illness that it has to do with mental weakness, like not being strong and not being tough, because I had spent many years of my life being very, very strong and learning not to feel sorry for myself because I couldn't afford to. I had too much on my plate, and and I've experienced a lot of hardship, and in those seasons, I was extremely strong, and I think that when I actually got to a really good place in my life, all that stuff kind of caught up with me. And I had to learn some tools on how to actually handle and walk through through the good times. Yeah. You yeah. know? Sarah, so. you are a fantastic communicator. You really Thank are. You. And as I said, I, I, I did uh, snoop around the website there. Really, really well put together. The website is Sarah E. Ball, B-A-L-L, and Sarah with an H. So SarahEBall.com. You can, of course, uh, go to our website and click on the uh, on the link there, that'll take you to her website. She's the author of Fearless in 21 Days, A Survivor's Guide to Overcoming Anxiety. And let me just throw this at the in at the end. Yeah. She's a Canadian, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you betcha. Oh, beauty. Yeah, <laughs> nice one, eh? Beauty. Straight, yeah. eh? Good job, eh? Get over my anxiety with the double-double. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's just him. Amen. Ignore him. Ignore him. Sarah, thank you for joining us on yeah. the show. Really Thanks pleasure to chat me. with you. You take yeah, care. Yeah, that was great. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Bye. I just said bye-bye like a flight attendant. Bye-bye. Good day, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's what we should be saying. Welcome to our Canada.